the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Rescuers Radio Show. And airs every Thursday at 530 live at KPXQ Radio. And also you can hear it at uh, faithtalk1360.com. And uh, you'll find us in a lot of other, other places, too, Facebook. Spotify, wherever, whatever your best site is. I have a guest today that I'm really happy to have, and she's kind of a shy person, and I'm kind of a little worried about the interview. No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> From Community uh, community Bridges uh, in the Valley, Stephanie Siete. Stephanie, good Thank to you. see you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so, pretty excited. Stephanie and I are practically neighbors. We're like a block from each other in our neighborhood, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and a long time ago, uh, I discovered we were having a, a street party of some kind, and um, and we were talking, and and uh, we talked about the Rescuers Show, and uh, we talked about one of the some of the programs that I had been involved in with TV and radio here in the Valley. Crystal Darkness, one of those, and you said you were in the call center. Yeah. And let me give you your, your uh, you were going to give me your contact information. I got my phone. I looked you up. I already had it. <laughs> yep. So, I took your phone out of your hands. I'm like, you already have my number. <laughs> from so many years ago. I was in 2008. Yeah. So anyway, here we are together, and I'd like for our audience to get to know who you are personally. Sure. So how did, how did you get to this point? So currently, I tell people I'm the, you know, I'm public information officer for Community Bridges. And I have to like pause and think about that title because I've been with Community Bridges since 2002. So there's definitely been quite the evolution of positions. And for those who aren't familiar with our agency, it's a behavioral health care system that focuses on mental health and substance abuse. You know, I summarize by saying we're saving lives. We're saving lives from addiction and just elaborate from there. So I'm currently, you know, that PIO position is information, right? Public information. Let people know the need of our services. But I let everyone also know I'm not a clinician and I'm not a counselor. So when I rewind, my whole career began began like straight out of college was education. And if I even share a little bit about college, taking all those health classes, drug education or HIV, AIDS, nutrition, what have you, people would come to you and ask you questions. Mm -hmm. And I'd be like, you guys go to health services. (laughs) But you know what I realized? They felt comfortable with me. And I truly thought at that moment, I wonder if there's a way I could get paid to, you know, to talk about health issues that people are embarrassed or afraid of. And I'm not, 
you know, just get educated. Right. And so over the last 20 years, I've built a career on drug education. And who would have thought here in Arizona it would be so needed? But border state to Mexico, I mean, it, it's huge. So that, that, I mean, go ahead. That's mostly the reason why we why, yeah. while you're here. Yeah. And again, just to, like, out of college, I didn't really know that niche, this and that. I come to Arizona and I fall into it in a sense. There was back then, maybe you'll remember in some of the listeners, I always kind of laugh about that. I can still say tumor-causing, teeth-staining, smelly, pukey habit. There was that Oh, big, my gosh. Yeah, the big do you remember that? Uh, well, a good friend of mine uh, created that campaign. I love that campaign in here. Like, see how memorable it is? I still know it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's amazing. But that's how I started. I was doing yeah. all the tobacco education for kids, yeah. right? So I'd be in the schools. And I think it's really interesting full circle. You know, that that um, that funding source went away. We drove down the rates of smoking among our youth. But then along came vaping. Mm-hmm. And it resurfaced. I had to kind of dig back and go, I remember talking about all that stuff. So it started there, but it's just been this evolution of educating everyone from police officers, parents, teachers, really anyone that'll listen mm-hmm. about the need of education so that they understand why the people need help. Yes. Because sometimes they don't make that connection. Yeah. 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 So um, in 2008, I was in, involved. I was actually at the front end of a creation of a, a program called Crystal Darkness, and that was a anti-meth uh, program is it was underlining the the uh, um, I don't want to call it a band pandemic, but it was uh, a, a real problem in Arizona. And then in uh, twenty seventh or twenty fifteen, we did hooked heroin uh, tracking heroin's hold on Arizona. And then the last one was in twenty seventeen um, from pre- pre- uh, prescription to addiction. But Stephanie was on one or two of those call centers, and how sobering is that? to use a word, uh, people reaching out for instant help. Again, that's the, I was honored to be a part of it because I realized, and I always explain, the general public, no disrespect, but really doesn't know a lot about the world of drugs and addiction. And sometimes I think it's fear. They're afraid to ask. They're afraid to know. It's someone else's problem. Um, Well, they'll get help. The reality is we're all impacted by substance use. You know, it's not this six degree of separation. <laughs> I say that all that. the time. It's one person. That's it's it's your neighbor. It's a loved one. It's a friend. It's a spouse. It's your kid. It, it's yourself. And living in this pandemic world, right? That's how a lot yeah. of people are truly coping yeah. with different substances. So I was so proud, like I said, to be a part of that and to put it out there on all the radio, on all the TV, and have people, even if they accidentally tuned in, go. Wait a minute. Yeah. I can relate to this. Wait, there's a number I can call? Yeah. I mean, we got to do more of that more often yeah. because people just need the resources. Yeah. So, um the COVID itself has has not lessened the issue. It's multiplied it by tens of thousands, right? So, um and and I'm glad to hear that uh I was wondering what separates Community Bridges from any other treatment recovery center. You really absorb the health, mental health issue part of this, right? And that's a big component. Yes, yes, yes. That's and that that's what makes you so interesting, and what makes your company so interesting. Because Thank I don't, you. the other ones are just treatment recovery. Uh, they have to, a patient has to go somewhere else to go through to detox. Then they go to the treatment recovery center. 
you guys are kind of like an all-in-one. 100%. Full continuum of care. We offer it all. And I think the one thing that's super important for people to hear, too, is we don't turn anyone away, meaning you can have no money. You can have insurance. You can be prepared to pay out of pocket. Like We'll find a plan that works for you. And I think that's why since 1982 we've been very successful and continued to grow. I mean, I put that date there because I've been there since 2002, right? So, well, 20 years later. No, the company was still pretty small then. And we've evolved in what I've seen in, gosh, I guess it's 18 years now. I've watched us grow from 50 employees to 1,700, right? It's not like, oh, we're growing because of the money. It's not like that. We're growing because of the need in the community. And we fight for grants and this and that all the time to keep our employees, but we just realize the need of, like you said, mental health services, helping pregnant women who are substance abusers, helping a 13-year-old adolescent, like everyone. So do you have places around Arizona or are you just here in the Valley? Oh, no, statewide provider. Yeah, um, Yeah. I've been to the Holbrook and Winslow (laughs) sites. I know how to get to Globe. (laughs) Very bit of a drive, but (laughs) we're everywhere. It's funny. Uh, King Kingman was my entry point to Arizona, by the way. Oh, my god! So gosh. I know where that is. So anyway, uh, yeah, I ran radio stations up there. That's a whole other story. I was going to say. <laughs> so um, so uh, that makes, that makes uh, you unique. And, and But before PIO, you must have been a, a pr- practitioner, right? I was straight prevention, prevention. right? So okay. I did all the outreach coordination. It was really neat when I reflect back on like how big yeah. our outreach really was because yeah. I had oversight at different school districts for tens of thousands of kids, and I was working with them kindergarten through 12th grade, training the teachers, training the school resource officers, the counselors. So we really community bridges, and I give myself myself personally credit that my name is well received in the schools because I built that career staying in place. I'm proud of that to have longevity in a career uh, doing the same thing year after year trying to save and help people. And it's pretty dang rewarding to see a kid graduate from high school, get into college and then go, I remember you. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling old, but it's just very rewarding yeah. to have someone say that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's great. So, um, you know, it, it's it's one thing to uh, talk about COVID in certain ways, but uh, you must work close with law enforcement as well, I, I would imagine. So I've had uh, a number of top-level uh, police department heads on this show, on the rescuers, to talk about what all they're going through right now, which which is uh, a mess, quite frankly. You know, they, they have a lot on their plate right now that they didn't have a year ago even. And um, but they're they're dealing with it and they're dealing with it in a very positive way. And I was very encouraged with these conversations because there's a generation of young adults right now that are in college. They want to be law enforcement people. They do want that career. And they're looking at it from a very different point. They're looking at it from a a, a, uh, a community-based uh, point of view. Officers, number one, their number one charge is taking care of the community. I love hearing that. Yeah. I love hearing the positive yeah. because I think we've been bombarded by the media and seeing some of the negative there. And you do worry, like, are officers going to tire out? But I think if you follow your passion, right, in any kind of position, and there are a lot of people who want to help our community and see us thrive. So that's so just 
this makes me happy to hear that people want to become officers, want to get involved in law enforcement. And there's a lot of different aspects of that. Again, you're kind of hitting me on a personal note, and I don't know if you even know this, but my father was law enforcement outside the city oh, of Chicago. Not. So I oh, grew wow. up around it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was always in that law enforcement family, and I say I still am now. You know, my dad has since passed on, but I train officers here in Arizona and around the country. And before, uh, when my dad was alive, that was one of the things that made him smile the most. And I was always so proud anytime I got an award or a plaque or something, I would give it to my dad (laughs) because I'm like, I didn't grow up to become a cop, but I work with them. I train them. It's a little safer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I get involved with them quite a bit. Yeah. Well, and, and the two things that are probably the largest spikes during this pandemic are domestic violence and addictions, right? 100% sadly. Yeah, yeah I know. So, um, well, I, I'll I'll share something with you that you don't know about me on a personal note. <laughs> I grew up in a family where my mom was addicted to prescription drugs her whole life. Oh, wow. And that was, that was rough. It was rough to see... Um, and hear and watch all of that. So we, I, ha, I have a little insight there. And um, so, so what's the balance right now between treatment recovery and prevention? There, there has to be some, uh, is prevention taking a larger role now or has it always and we just don't see that? Oh, I you, pause because if I'm going to be you honest about it. can't wave a it, wand and no, say everything no is magic cured. Wand. I always tell people ultimately aren't, aren't a lot of us trying to work ourselves out of jobs. Yeah. It's not going to happen. I just told you I've built a 20-year career. Right. And, you know, again, you asked me personally about my in my investments, my job, like how I got into this. I didn't think coming out of college this was going to be the long-term career plan. Yeah. I've made successes, which I'm proud of, but at the same time, there's always going to be work. Prevention, well, actually even treatment too, isn't always a guaranteed funding source. So when I was involved in the schools, as much as I'd still like to keep doing that, funding got taken away and depleted. We couldn't keep doing it. It's needed more so than ever with younger and younger kids. And you figure the pandemic factors then because kids were missing connections at schools Mm -hmm. and we were starting to see more incidents with struggles with mental health, suicide. I mean, everything from cutting, hurting themselves, using substances to cope. Now more than ever, we need to be there. And if any um, school officials hear this, that's one thing I'm trying to do is creatively, fine, get me on a WebEx, get me on a Zoom, get me in front of these kids because they still need the life skill information. Absolutely. Right? Because if they don't get it, then we're seeing fast forward to the need for intervention and treatment. So it all connects. It does. We need to just do it all. Yeah. So now we're, you know, kid they're trying to get kids back in the classrooms, which is which I think is a positive. I I think not not just for the kids being in, back in school, but parents and uh, homes they need they need the kids to be in school right now. I Agreed. Think. Yeah. And um and now it's an it can be every other day because if a positive test comes up, they're back home again being online. Uh, short that'll be short term, hopefully, in most cases. But uh, I think for the most case, they are trying really hard right now to get the kids back in school, and teachers have to go through what they go through, um, which I can't even imagine what they're trying to work with right now, and 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 see all of this come back to them. I know. I, right? I hear I have so many teacher friends just again, 
through my career, like I said, law, law enforcement uh, teachers, you're just with them all the time and the challenges and the barriers out there. These teachers trying to teach in person and yeah. then also on a computer, who's coughing, who's sick. It's just it's a lot right now yeah. to take on. Yeah. I have a good friend that's, <clears throat> that's a professor at um, Arizona Christian University, and she's also a counselor, longtime counselor for a Young Life uh, movement. And uh, I was talking to her this summer before going back before the campuses op- reopened, and she said, oh, "Great, I have to do two syllabuses now: one for online, one for in class when they come back, and they both are treated differently." Yeah, and it was hard. It's hard to do that at any level. Yeah, yeah, quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, so even harder for elementary and middle school, I think, and then high school. But um, so <clears throat> it's really it's so good to, to, to have you here and to hear your point of view. Uh, I just said to you before the mics went live here that um, back when we were doing the uh, Crystal Darkness, uh, uh, when our, our steering committee got together, um and I think the CEO of Community Bridges, I'm pretty sure, was on that committee. I cannot remember Dr. his name. Dr. Frank Scarpati back then. Okay, Dr. that's it. Dr. Frank, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd forgotten his name, but uh, he was a critical piece to our uh, involvement with— 100 percent, super supportive. Yeah. He's supportive. He recently passed on. Oh, okay. Very, very right. recently. And that's a, you kind of catch me in emotional because all of us are just— saddened by that because he was yeah. such a leader i mean he retired yeah but i i personally almost wish he had more time in retirement than he had but he loved community bridges and he was so involved with as many employees as he could be he wanted you to succeed he wanted you to come to him with new ideas and new um suggestions and he yeah go with that 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 can work so yeah he would always be super supportive of everything and crystal darkness um hooked all of those things he would happy to have like his name, his stamp on there. Yeah, I wish we could do programs like that all the time. But I do too. Sign me up. <laughs> they're Just still so on you know. you, They're still on YouTube, by the way. You know, thankful for YouTube. <laughs> I've had to learn how to record everything and Zoom, and then at the same time, not thankful for YouTube because I'm like, oh my God, look at 15 years ago. What was I talking about? <laughs> it's still <Yeah>. there. <laughs> and this brand new technology emerges right just just in time. Right, we're all Zoomites now. <laughs> There's a term. I've learned quite a bit. You know, Zoom that's the one thing, too, is when we say adapting, Community Bridges does a lot more of, like, the telemedicine. Yeah. So we've got our docs on calls and, and doing all the virtual. And it's not just Zoom. It just seems to be, like, the, the name. Um, but at first I was so like, oh, whatever. It'll, it'll only be temporary. But I realized it's the new norm. And yeah. I kind of laugh that sometimes I guess I'm cutting back on mileage, right? Like I don't have to race to Tempe, you know, back to Scottsdale, back to home, all over the valley, maybe the state. I'm like, I get up, (laughs) I walk maybe to the living room to work out, (laughs) go back into my room to get ready, walk to my office to do a Zoom, (laughs) go to my kitchen for lunch. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's my life. My commute is a few steps here, a few steps there. (laughs) My wife has her office. I've got my office. They're side by side. And, and there we go. I was going to say, and then if I want, I walk eight houses down to yeah. your house. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Let's go have lunch. Okay, your house or my house. So um, my wife works for Powell, by the way, 
And I think you're familiar with Powell. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Parents of addicted Powell. loved ones, yes. That's, that, we have to share She's that. She's the That's how you and I director. in the, I would say parking lot. I was in the front yard. Yeah. How we talked. <laughs> I think it went down when she said Powell. I was like, oh, I love Powell. <laughs> and then I said something about, I'm in the field of drugs, too. <laughs> easily that could have been misconstrued. <laughs> Be careful what you say <laughs> and who's around when you say it. But I have a question for you, and um, uh, this is this is not a uh, this is not about politics, but something just passed in Arizona. I know what you're <laughs> gonna say. How in the world does this affect? Uh, I mean, how does this work? Prop two hundred seven. That's yeah. What you're asking yeah. About? I was like, well, job security. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, again, everyone, you don't even have to ask the question. And it's it's frustrating in like a nutshell because you still have federal law that says it's illegal. And then I kind of when I do my educational like spiel, I get in front of people and I say, well, welcome to America. Right. Yeah. Federal, you can't touch it. But depending on what state you're in, there's different laws, different rules. Um, we're not meeting in the middle. And every law is different. Like, truthfully, this will get you your two cents of education for me is if they wrote bills about when it comes to marijuana, about chemicals, that would make more sense because we're seeing, oh, you can buy CBD. But people, even in general public, are like, well, THC is not that great. No, it's it's not necessarily beneficial. That's your high, right? So we different states, it's about ounces. It's about the format. It's about chemical. There's no universal thing. So I don't think that we're really restricting it. And I've yet to have anyone really argue this point with me. When you're talking about the developing brain of a child, yeah, I don't think anyone – wants chemicals, and see how I word this, in the hands of a developing brain. And I look at us from the outside looking at America. I wish that had been one of the arguments. I know. But if you really just summarize and break it down, like we're a country that is abusing way too many chemicals Mm -hmm. because we that's how we deal with our trauma and our stress and our anxiety, and we think it's acceptable. You don't know how many conversations, let's be honest, arguments I've gotten into people saying, why can't we find better coping mechanisms? Do I think CBD can have benefit in some people? Of course. But I don't think it's okay for a free-for-all. Right. Like, oh, it's legal, everyone. No, it shouldn't be in the hands of everyone. And education, I always go back to it, and this is how I've built this strong career that I stand by, is education. Get involved. Be knowledgeable. I'm big on be in the know, K-N-O-W, before you just make a decision, whether that is because it's legal or someone offered you. Legal doesn't mean safe. That's not part of the whole legalization process. You know, we touched on prescription pills, some of the most deadly drugs out there. They're they're legal. So I just I want people to hear that. I I could talk about this all day long. You know what? What um, when we were working on the uh, the heroin project, tracking heroin's hold in, on, in Arizona, um, I heard a speech by our then uh, county attorney Bill Montgomery mm-hmm. at a uh, at a breakfast, and here's what he said: Oxycodone is at the beginning of a great surge 
of abuse here in the in the United States. And the people that created that pill are still have lawsuits pending, I think, everywhere. Mm-hmm. But um, the the chemical in oxycodone is equal to the high in heroin, right? Change two molecules of oxycodone and you'll have heroin. Yes. So, um, and be, in, because of our location to the border, um, within five to six hours of time, a shipment of heroin would leave the, our border and be in Chicago, New York, Boston, Washington, D.C. And I thought, how in the world does that happen? Mm-hmm. Well, when you have the money the cartels have, they can mm-hmm. have ter- any form of trans- transportation staged anywhere, right? Yes. So uh, and then on this corner, you have uh, somebody selling one pill of oxycodone for $65. On this corner, you have a little plastic bag of heroin for $15. Mm-hmm. Which one are you going to do? Exactly. And I heard that, and that impacted me so much that, that that helped me form arguments for our TV and radio guys to carry this program. Okay. And we're still the only state, by the way, that every TV and radio station have ever aired anything like this for the same time, same day. That's awesome. We've done it three times. I know. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't explain it. Maybe I'm just that great. I no, I'm not that great. I. You know but, what? I, I but, second that, and no. I'm like, let's do it again. Like I said, <laughs> I'd love to. So we're about out of time. Believe it or not, this is this half hour just flies by. I just got my uh, my. Uh, did you say one minute, Jeremy? I know. He's cutting us off. <laughs> <laughs> the is, so, you're right. We could talk so, about this. Oh, we, we can go another half hour. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> anyway, I have a question for you that I ask all my guests in each program. Uh, COVID is a, a, a pandemic of stories. What will your story be at the end of COVID? I think I've built, actually, I'm the positive girl. I've built um, more relationships, closer relationships as a result of this. Um, I think I've, as I'll give advice and say what I've done, pick up your phone, use it for what it's for. You know what I mean? Like FaceTime, call somebody, check in on a loved one. And I'm proud to say I've done that more and have more genuine, loving connections. Thank you, Stephanie. This has been great. This is awesome. Thank you. Rescuers can be heard on Faith Talk 1360 and 1360.com. It's also on Spotify and podcast form, Instagram. You can find all the information you want about the prior, prior rescuers programs at those locations. God bless. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM.